أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا مولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد الحمد لله ما شاء الله we reached this Mubarak ninth uh, night of Ramadan the night of Jumu'ah, so it's two Jumu'ahs down and then two more to go, and uh, whoever wants to do something in these uh, Mubarak days and nights, now's the time, otherwise it's going to slip through our fingers, the first 10 days that are characterized by Rahmah, whoever wishes to ask, this is their opportunity to ask. That Allah Ta'ala, there are certain people that He manumits from the hellfire and that's every night although the the last 10 nights are characterized by this so there's a great number of them but in every night there are some people who this is up for grabs there's a, a quota that's up for grabs so Allah Ta'ala make us from the utaqa of this uh, Mubarak night Amin. as for this uh, taraweeh it is the uh, sustenance of the spirit and of the heart Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continue to give us this blessing and Allah ta'ala uh, not take it away from us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give it to our brothers and sisters as well and give us through it the madad that we need in order to get through this life uh, with what we need in order to prepare for the hereafter as well as live a, a decent and dignified and honorable life. Amen. So we continue uh, in the section describing the archetype of the, of the Sahlis which is characterized by Mujahada. So he's going to tell uh, stories, a couple of stories, and uh, a couple of uh, talk about a couple more concepts. Just remember when you hear like a story, they say Sahal Tustari, Bayezid Bustami, Dhunun Misri. These are generally like a flag should go up that these are like don't try this at home type of stories. Um, you learn something from them. Allah give you a high maqam. If you get there one day, make dua for me. But this is more to like learn something rather than to emulate uh, uh, personally because you may end up, you may end up burning yourself. Um, so we continue. He says, as regards to what has been said by the sheikhs concerning the lower soul, the nafs, the nun, al-misri, who said the vision of the lower soul of the nafs and its promptings are the worst of veils. Because obedience to it is disobedience to God, which is the origin of all veils. Okay, it's, again, it's not a fancy like... It's not a fancy thing that like Sufis say. Rather, that's the whole teaching of the Quran itself. As for the one who is crooked, who's twisted, uh, who rebels, and uh, prefers the life of this world. For that person, the blazing pit of fire is their eternal abode. And for the one who fears the day that they will stand in front of the Lord, and they forbid, their character, character is what? They forbid the nafs from what it desires. This is their characteristic. Those are the people that uh, the paradise will be their eternal abode. This is directly and diametrically opposed to and in conflict with the kind of like prosperity Islam that's pushed by conferences and, you know, Islam evangelists uh, the world over. 
that's uh, the deen of the Nasara, in particular the deen of Protestants. We don't say that life is supposed to be horrible. We don't consider the deen to be a curse, that life is devoid of joy or whatever. But the issue is this is you have to have some struggle before you can get to the, the sweetness as well. So it's a balance between two extremes. That like on one side, I've heard from the lips of rabbis, not the like fruity ones that like, you know, don't believe in God, but the actual ones that practice their deen, that they consider the Torah to be the curse of Allah Ta'ala on their people. Maybe for those particular people, it is the curse of God on them in reality. So we don't say that. It's not so much mujahada that you get to, get to that point where you're so like oppressed and crushed that there's no, nothing khair left for you. Whereas on the other side, this whole thing of like fleeing from like, oh, that made me feel bad. I don't want to feel that way ever again. This is like silly. We have to kind of get over it. Bayezid Bastami ta'ala said that the lower soul, the nafs, is an attribute which never rests save in falsehood. It never rests save in falsehood, meaning it will never seek the truth. Hakim Muhammad bin Ali Tirmidhi rahimullah ta'ala, who is not the Sunan Tirmidhi, but somebody else, who we'll talk about actually further in the next, uh, in the next section, in the next archetype, says, you wish to know God while your nafs subsists in you, but your nafs doesn't know itself, so how should it know anyone else? Junaid rahimullah ta'ala, what does that mean? Like we mentioned, I mentioned something yesterday because Masha Ahmed and Wasim are in med school, right? That you should know the nafs actually has a function in keeping you alive. That's not all it does though. That's just the beginning of its ma'rifah, to know it. That's just the beginning of it. It's not all of it. There's a lot more there other than that. But uh, uh, that's the beginning of it. He says that the nafs doesn't even know itself. What's the, what's the materialist proof that the nafs doesn't know itself? Why do you eat? You eat because you need energy, right? You need to sustain yourself. But does the nafs know when to stop eating? Absolutely not. There is a thousand people in a thousand Walmarts buying a thousand box of Little Debbie snack treats as we speak because the nafs doesn't even know itself. There are a thousand people looking at the face of a thousand beautiful man, woman, God knows what, 57 choices they have nowadays. Because the nafs doesn't know itself. It doesn't know what it's doing. It doesn't know why it's doing. It doesn't care. It just does it. So Hakim Tirmidhi says what? And really, mashallah, he said this, he really is a Hakim. He said that uh, you wish to know God while your uh, nafs subsists in you, but your nafs doesn't even know itself, so how should it know another? Junaid Ta'ala says, to fulfill the desires of your nafs is the foundation of kufr, because the nafs is not connected with and is always striving to turn away from the haq of Islam. And he who turns away denies, and he who denies is an alien, is begana, has nothing to do with. Nothing to do with us. It's a complete stranger. Begana in Persian is also another, it's a word used for a kafir as well. But it means stranger. It's one of the first lines of the, the Masnavi of Mulana Rumi. Why do you sit so far away as if you're a stranger? It's, but he's evoking like, why are you acting like a kafir? You're a Muslim, but why are you acting like a kafir? Why don't you just hustle, make it into taraweeh, make it into jum'ah, you know, open the mushaf from time to time, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, it's okay, you know, grow a beard. You don't have to be the you know, qutb al-aqtab in order to do these things. Don't sit far away like a stranger, but come inside, inside the circle of the, the people of love. Divanagan actually literally means the, the people of madness, but it's a metaphor for, for, for love. The 
fanat- fanatical fanatical madness. Uh, he says that uh, Junaid says to fulfill the desires of the lower soul is the foundation of kufr, because the lower soul, the nafs, is not connected with and has always been striving to turn away from the pure truth, the pure haq of Islam. And he who turns away denies, and he who, he who denies becomes an alien, becomes a stranger, becomes a begana. Uh, Abu Sulaiman al-Darani, rahimahullah ta'ala, said that the lower soul, the nafs, is treacherous and hinders the one who seeks to please Allah. And resistance to us is the best of actions. So the shaykh now says, he says, now I come to my main purpose, which is to set forth the doctrine of sahil, concerning mujahada and the discipline of the lower soul, and explain its true nature. So there's a sub, subtitle, Discourse on the Mujahada of the Lower Soul. Allah said, Those who strive uh, to the utmost uh, for our sake, we will guide them uh, uh, into our ways. And the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, and he, he quotes a hadith, it's a weak hadith, it's not a fabrication. I'm just letting you know that. Again, you should know where to find what, where. It's not a book of hadith. The meaning has a certain sound ta'wil to it. That's why it's okay that he uh, uh, quotes it. And perhaps he himself is not a muhaddith. So uh, that's why he quotes it. This is a thing that we have. Like we just like look for any th- reason to like disqualify something. If it's not 100% perfect. This is also 100% hater like pop culture. The desire to see something has some good in it. And find a reason to like resist it. Rather Allah Ta'ala describes the, the, the believers as الَّذِينَ يَسْتَمِعُونَ الْقَوْلَ فَيَتَّبِعُونَ if it's the hadith is quoted and he quoted it, he shouldn't have. And you can say that. That's okay. That's not, it doesn't mean that you don't dislike or disrespect the shaykh either. Uh, uh, but he quotes a, a hadith that's, that's probably, probably not, not correct. He says that, that, the, the, he says that the Prophet ﷺ said that the mujahid uh, is the one who uh, 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 strives all his might against his own nafs for Allah's sake. So I don't know the, the, the attribution of this one, but I'm talking about the next one. And he also said that we return from the lesser jihad to the greater jihad on being asked what is the greater jihad. He replied, it is a struggle against oneself. Uh, and so the, the idea is that, that, that there's, a, there's a narration attributed to the, attributed to the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa that he was coming back from Ghazwa with the, with the uh, companions radiallahu anhum and he said we're coming from the lesser jihad to the greater jihad. We're coming back from the, uh, the, the martial struggle in the path of Allah ta'ala back to the struggle against the nafs. Uh, and uh, um, it's, it's, not, it's not a correct hadith. And if anything, going out to do battle against like enemies that are numerous in the miserable heat and uh, treacherous conditions of the open desert when you're outnumbered and you're unarmed and you're unarmored and you have no protection itself is a jihad of the nafs first before it's a jihad of anybody else uh, but uh, at any rate he quotes this uh, this uh, probably incorrect uh, narration in order to make ithbat of a correct precept which is that the jihad of the nafs is important Says, thus the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam judged the mortification of the lower soul to be superior to waging holy war against the believers because the former is more painful. I say that that's not, a, again, an incorrect thing to say, but if you're actually going to go out and fight, you have to have control of your nafs first before you can do that in the first place. So there's no, uh, you know, there's no uh, what you call tawad between these two things. Uh, they're not, they're not uh, mutually exclusive. You must know then that by way of mortification, by way of mujahada, uh, uh, is plain and manifest for it is approved by all men and groups uh, of the religious and observed and practiced by the Sufis in particular and the term mujahada uh, is current among Sufis of every class 
and the sheikhs have uttered many sayings on the topic. Sahal bin Abdullah Tustari carries the principle to an extreme point. Uh, here he means extreme, not not to mean like uh, beyond uh, the limit, but meaning to to its uh, na- greatest extent. It is related that he used to break fast only once every fifteen days, and he ate little food uh, in the course of his long life. Uh, and the point of this again is not muasala that he used to keep fast for more than one day at a time. Uh, the fast is opened even ne- merely by the intention of opening it or by taking a sip of water or something like that. But he used to not eat between fasts for, for uh, over 15 days at a time. Again, that part's not an act of worship. It's not an ibadah. The ibadah is the, the nafil fast, which is only jayas on all the days of the year except for the two Eids and the, the days connected to the Eid al-Adha. But, uh, uh, but it definitely is to not eat as much or to not eat between the fasts uh, is definitely a way of disciplining the soul. It's not an act of worship, but it is a way of disciplining the soul. And we saw Murabit rahimullah ta'ala, he lived for like 100, 1416 years, something like that. And he used to just take a couple of bites of rice like twice a week. Uh, he didn't eat all that much. He would drink some sips of milk every day and that's basically all he used to eat. Allah ta'ala gave him a very long life and he was completely, uh, like by day and night, the man lived in a tent so it's not like he has any private time that he can do something when no one's seeing him. Uh, but he was completely mustaghraq, uh, uh, like drowned in the recitation of the Qur'an uh, and, and the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala by day and by night. While all of the people of the spiritual path have affirmed the need to mujahada and have declared it to be an indirect means from the asbab of attaining mushahada, the cont- contemplation and the vision of, uh, of the divine, Sahal asserted that mujahada is the direct cause, the illat of the latter. Uh, the difference between sabab and illa is the something, uh, I think it's a bit too abstruse for this majlis, but the point is, is you can, I guess the closest thing, although it's not exactly that, but the closest thing is that that that, that uh, uh, sababiyah and uh, what he means by sabab is closer to correlation what he means here by illa is more, more close to causation. And he attributed the uh, search, uh, talab to a powerful effect on attainment uh, yaft, so much that he regarded the present life spent in search superior to the future life of fruition. That what? That the seeking of something from Allah Ta'ala is itself the reason that you find. And this is an important point because people ask, they say, how do I know my du'as are being accepted? How do I know Allah is going to forgive me? How do... The fact that you have this concern, the fact that you bothered to ask, it's a sign that something good is happening. Right? In the absence of some other like really messed up confounding factor, it's a sign that something else good is happening. Uh, and so uh, in this sense, it's actually very empowering to the Salik to have this mindset because it makes a person not uh, give up hope uh, uh, in what is otherwise a very difficult uh, path to tread. If, he said, you serve God in this world, you will attain proximity to him in the next. Without that service, there would not be this proximity. It follows that Mujahada practiced with the aid of Allah is the direct cause of uh, union. Of, here, union doesn't mean like hulul. It means what? It means wusul. It means reaching your uh, destination with Allah Ta'ala. Others, on the contrary, hold that there is no direct cause of union with God, and whoever attains to God does so by the divine grace, by his fadl, which is independent of human actions. Therefore, they argue that the object of mujahada is to correct the vices of the lower soul, not to attain real proximity, and inasmuch as mujahada is referred to man, 
while the contemplation is referred to God. Uh, it is impossible that one should be the cause of the other. Sahala, however, cites in favor of his view the words of God, and those who strive to the utmost for our sake, we will guide them into our ways. I.e., whoever makes mujahada against himself will attain uh, contemplation. Furthermore, he contends that inasmuch as the books of the books that were revealed to the Prophet and the sacred law uh, and all the religious ordinances imposed on mankind involved mujahada, they all must be false and vain if mujahada were not the cause of contemplation. Again, both in this world and the next, everything is connected with principles and causes. If it is maintained that principles have no causes, then there is an end of all law and order, and neither can, be, uh, neither can religious obligations be justified, nor will food be the cause of repletion uh, and clothes the cause of warmth. Accordingly, uh, to regard actions as being caused uh, 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 is tawheed, and to rebut this is ta'atid, as nullification. He who asserts it is proving the existence of contemplation, and he who denies it is denying the existence of contemplation. Does not training the nafs, the riyada of the nafs, alter its animal qualities to the point where it will even alter the qualities of a wild horse and substitute human qualities in their stead so that he will pick up the whip from the ground and hand it to the master himself or he will roll a ball with his foot. In the same way, a boy without sense and a foreign race is taught by training to speak Arabic and to take a new language in exchange for his mother tongue. So this one would get him cancelled for being like racist, like, you know, Arab supremacist, whatever, but... So be it. So be it. Mashallah, I make us the boy who is without sense in a foreign race that that gets trained to speak the Arabic language in exchange for our mother tongue. <laughs> he says, and a savage beast is trained to go uh, away uh, when leave is given to it, and then come back when it's called, preferring slavery to freedom. Uh, therefore, uh, uh, therefore, Sahil and his followers argue that mujahada is just as necessary for the attainment uh, of uh, wusul, of arriving with Allah Ta'ala as diction and composition are necessary for, for necessary for the elucidation of ideas and as one is led to knowledge of the Creator by assurance that the universe was created in time, uh, so one is led to union with God by the knowledge and, uh, and mujahada of the lower soul. So this is he explains Sahal's, uh, uh, Sheikh Sahal to studies Madhab, and then we'll stop for today, inshallah. Tomorrow he'll then explain the Madhab of those who said no, to attribute your saluk to your own mujahada is not right. And then afterward he will uh, try to reconcile between those two different views. The point is, is this is that it should it should not be lost on anyone though that the mujahada of the nafs itself is a very uh, important part of one's deen and it's an indispensable part of one's deen. And uh, as long as the nafs is comfortable, a person is not going to make it anywhere. The point is not necessarily to kill yourself; otherwise, we would believe like the Jains and like other you know some other religions do, and like some sort of like sacred suicide where you like starve yourself to death or whatever. Uh, or that, you know, the concept of nirvana that like Indic religions have that you somehow have to achieve freedom from the pointlessness of existence. We don't believe that. But the idea is still that like just like the horse has to be broken in order to, you know, have the quality of being able to be ridden uh, just like that. The nafs needs some, some amount of training before it can actually do anything. And until then, talking about Sufi stuff and like reading Sufi books and having like Nice job there and like uh, nice tasbih.
like, see, like I have, mashallah. <laughs> I sell nice tasbihs to people. I tell them there's no guarantee of any maqam with Allah Ta'ala. You could still be a complete slob, but the tasbih will be nice, of course. Alhamdulillah, <laughs> mashallah. But, like, you know, until then, these things are all just a... Uh, uh, the turuhat al-sufiya, like Ruwaim said, they're just the absurdities of the of the of the, of the Sufis. Allah Taala give us the haqiqah, uh, and if you get a nice tasbih, that's cool too, I guess. Sallallahu Taala Rasulullah Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.